You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And let's talk about my next guest. Now, if you know anything about golf, you know the name Bobby Jones, the only golfer to ever win the Amateur Grand Slam. He left an unmatched legacy of sportsmanship and golf. After retiring at the age of 28 in 1932, he designed the world-famous Augusta National Golf Course and created the Masters, which is just incredible. His legacy continued through his children and his grandchildren, and we're so excited to bring on one of his great-grandchildren, who's going to talk to us today a little bit about what he does. Now, Robert Jones Black has helped carry the legacy of Bobby Jones, you know, to a new and a a new current generation of golfers. Has created a way to really move it into the future. The Generation Next project is what Robert Jones Black has created, and really leverages the game of golf for youth development. Really excited to learn more about this guy who is right here in the state of North Carolina. Uh, He calls Greensboro home. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome Robert. Uh, Absolute pleasure and uh, excited to chat a little bit and uh, thank you for having me on the show guys. Man, we're honored. Thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate it. And first question, I just have to know, like how soon after you were born did someone stick a golf club in your hand? (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, the, I had a, actually about maybe two weeks ago, we talked about this uh, on another show and they asked the first golf memory. I remember getting my first lesson and I'm going to guess maybe five or six, not as early as you would think. Um, my family's pretty humble around the whole uh, you know, connection to Bobby Jones. We're not, uh, especially the, the black side of the Jones family. We don't excel in golf. The the gene did not pass down uh, in, in the way of of wonderment, but we do enjoy the game. We play the game, uh, and and so. But I I would say probably five or six years old was when I took that first lesson, and all I can remember I don't know why this is such a vivid memory was how awkward the grip felt when the pro was trying to teach me how to properly hold a club. It seemed foreign to me. It may have been because I'm a lefty. Uh, I do everything left-handed except swing a golf club. I swing a golf club right here. Wow. That's crazy. You know, yeah. it's um, it, it's fascinating. I'm sure everybody asks you all the time, like, so you're, you got to be great at golf. you got to be great at golf. Um, I recently heard, uh, or actually I watched the match with Tom Brady, and one of the quotes that Tom Brady basically said, he's probably one of the you know best athletes out there. He's like, I, I just I just hate this sport. He's like, I don't even know why I play this sport. Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> and I sat there go, Tom, me too, brother. You <laughs> know what I mean? We got the oh, same. We have the same problems. Definitely a love hate relationship. <laughs> hey, even even Bobby Jones. I mean, some of his he's got fantastic quotes about that. I think one of them is to the effect of, you would think someone that would do something over and over and over again thousands of times would find a way to perfect it, but that is just not the case with golf. Now, did did Bobby Jones ever blame his clubs for having a bad day? Uh, like like a, a most recently uh, Bryce decided to come out and and slam his driver because it's got to be the driver's fault you know bryson as well i i i'm with you buddy i'm with you i think there's a big difference between blaming this the uh <laughs> the equipment and taking your anger out on the equipment <laughs> and bobby jones uh that's one of the things we talk about with the charity uh just a, a quick little tidbit here um the lean years of bobby jones career are post 1922 and before and they call those the lean years because he was never able to break through and win a major um, he had an incident at a golf tournament where he got angry. He had a really uh, pretty stern temper uh, in his junior days and early 
parts of, of competing with uh, with the adults. Uh, but he threw his golf club and it hit a spectator uh, in the leg oh. and injured her. Wow. And USGA sent a letter to Bobby Jones and said, this cannot happen, does not happen in golf. One more time, you're out. And he made the, I don't know how you can do this. Uh, it's, it's a tough thing to do. But he made the conscious decision to get all anger off the golf course. And as a matter of fact, took that a step further. Uh, did not want to show his competitors emotion. So that was 1923, 1923 to 1930. Bobby Jones wins 13 majors. That's no awesome. anger issue. That's so you got to wonder. I mean, that's a hell of a story to kick this off. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you know growing up and having that name you know in your family. It's not you know I'm sure it's something that's a little bit difficult sometimes. It's like people kind of hold you up to this you know pedestal like you should be a golfer, you should be an athlete, you should do this. But you know everybody has to make their own path, and you've been able to take not only his legacy but create your own path on how you're going to make an impact and what your legacy is going to be. And a lot of that has to do, you know, with the generation next project. Tell us a little bit about what the generation next project is and how you really, you know, became passionate, not only about this, but what you're doing to, uh, to inspire and help the youth, um, around, you know, this country. Well, uh, great question. Uh, and, and I think to start just in terms of the Bobby Jones piece, I've worked with the family, of uh, the second generation, my dad's generation, they make all decision making for the intellectual property and for the brand, um, our charitable contributions and all that. And so I spent about four or five years working with them and working with the brand side, which was really special. Um, one of the things that I've always um, wanted to make sure that if I did anything with Bobby Jones, um, that it was not, uh, I don't want to say exploiting, but like just taking his name and doing something in good for me as opposed to trying to find a way where we're truly advancing the legacy. And this is this third generation is such a critical time period with all family gener generation transfers um, to, to not get kind of just thrown away into uh, public domain, if that's a fair way to put it. Um, so last year was was not a, a, a great year. It wasn't a great year for everyone. Um, we had a couple situations uh, internally. The one that really set this off was my business partner um who's a dear dear friend of mine uh lives out in the tech in texas and uh on april 17th of last year in the midst of the the peak of the shutdown where nobody was going out anywhere kids were home uh no school no activities no social life um his uh 12 year old son four days before his 13th birthday uh, sadly committed suicide Oh. And um, there's a you know pretty intense story behind that, but we immediately started. Uh, Brad Huntsville, the guy's name, and uh, his story is just absolutely fascinating. But he's a you know he's a West Point grad, uh, Ohio State MBA. Um, sold his first company to IBM. He's building a second company now. Um, just one of these guys that just has everything put together and you see something like this happen and it's, it's just so tragic. But Brad, immediately the response was, how do I make sure this does not happen? So I teamed up with Brad and worked with him to help start Hayden's Corner, which is uh, his son's name was Hayden, uh, and start the mission for Brad to address teen suicide. In that process uh, through last year, um, I really, I have a six-year-old son. 
So this, this whole little idea that there is some disruptions taking place with youth development, mainly uh, starts with technology, but especially with the pandemic kind of accelerating everything. This became a really big concern for me. And then just coincidentally towards the end of last year, rereading uh, Down the Fairway that Bobby Jones wrote, and I started just seeing this incredible ability that Bobby Jones had to reflect on how golf and life dance together. Um, and it became fascinating to me. And I was like, you know, maybe this, the story of how I can be inspired by my great grandfather, but then I take the action from there to do something is the way that I can best use that name and use that legacy for good. So we came up with the idea of the Generation Next Project, which is uh, essentially we are a marketing and funding arm uh, for existing nonprofits that are building instruments and tools to help on social and emotional development of our kids. Big focus on emotional intelligence. We launched it uh, in May. Uh, we've got some great things coming up this year. Uh, if we have time in the program to talk about it, love to talk about it, but uh, it has been an unbelievable journey so far in my 20 years of career work, which a lot of that's been entrepreneurial, I have not seen anything get the attention and reaction that this is getting. We have a major crisis, I think, that's developed worldwide, but specifically in the United States on how we get our kids to better be developed for their adulthood with the proper emotional skill sets. Yeah. And you guys check that out on haydenscorner.org and you'll learn more about this story. I mean, the video um, of Hayden's dad produced two days after burying his son has over 110 million views. And it speaks a lot about that emotional bubble. Um, and, you know, I have two sons, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, and it just breaks my heart to even think that, you know, something like that could happen. Just seeing the pictures of Hayden is, um, is emotional to say the least, but I think you're right. And I think this is something we've talked about a lot, you know, COVID's an issue, but there's a lot of issues with isolation. There's a lot of issues that if people aren't having these conversations, you know, you need to. Um, and so I'm, I'm very honored to have you guys on to be able to talk a little bit more about that. And, uh, and honestly, didn't even know about Hayden's Corner. So thank you for enlightening us on that. Quite well, yeah. So tell me, um, not only with what you guys are doing here, you know, this is something that's important to you um, to not only support kids, but help them post pandemic, right? So we talk about the issues right now and, and something is as terrible as what Hayden has happened to Hayden. Uh, now you guys are making an impact. What are you going to be doing in the next couple of years? What does the program look like? And really what is, what would be, you know, a success for you as far as setting those goals to make that difference? Uh, well, you know, one of the biggest challenges we've had so far with this is I've addressed the golf community in the messaging. Uh, and when we look at that, uh, I think a lot of people expect the output to have a golf connection to it. And it was really kind of hard on the first month or two when we were starting to get some media feedback, trying to get in my head uh, out to the public. What are we saying when we say we want to embrace and have the golf community embrace this issue? But what we're not doing is saying, hey, kids, come play golf. Uh, you've got great organizations like First Tee that create character development, and they do that with kids that have an interest in golf. And that's uh, fantastic. And so I think probably the, the best way I'll answer this uh, is I started looking at what Tom Cousins did with East Lake 
and the East Lake story. And I'll do that just very quickly for you guys. Um, so we'll spend a, a lot of time on it. But it's it's really, to me, it's, it's mirroring what we want to see happen with Generation Deck Project. But when Tom Cousins bought the East Lake property in the 80s, um, yeah, I think it was about to become a city dump for Atlanta. The neighborhood East Lake Village had just really gone downhill. Um, the city had not, I think, provided resources and everything necessary to keep it up. An interesting stat on this, and this is crazy, guys, 12% um, employment rate in East Lake Village when Tom Cousins bought. Wow. Not unemployment, employed. Crime through the roof. Wow. So Tom Cousins knew that East Lake Country Club was a cherished piece of golf history. It needed to go back to its original purpose and, and, and glory. But he knew two things. Number one, he knew the community was not going to support it. And number two, he knew that members would not want to support it if the community was in such disarray. So Tom decided that with this golf course project, what he was actually going to do was invest in the community and build the community out. So he created Eastlake Foundation. All of these years later, that community now has the average uh, U.S. unemployment at 5% or whatever. 98% or maybe 99% of their high school uh, kids graduate. They've got charter school. They've got new housing. They have completely turned the community around. What that was, was the golf community raising money to an issue and to a community to fix a community. The output itself is not necessarily golf related, but it was the golf community that did it. That's what we want to do with Generation Next Project. Our community is youth. So take it from six years old up to 25, 26 years old. And let's look at how we can invest in things that will better that development process for that age group. We call them GIGs, G-I-G, Generation Impact Groups. So the 0 to 10, the 11 to 20, and the 21 to 30. And all of them have different ways that they can be impacted, but they also have different ways that they can be the impactor. So what we want to do in the next couple of years is we want to invest heavily in existing institutions because I don't think this is something I can sit around for three or four years and try to build a proprietary solution. I need to invest in things that were already built. Um, we want to see a $1 million raise this year. We want to see that go to three to $5 million in 2022. And then we want to see that go north of $5 million where we can start making some significant impacts. We have three organizations that we do presently partner with um, and selected for um, the way that they are impacting different areas so we can come in from different angles. So let me hit that real quick, um, if that's okay. Uh, Positivity Project uh, is, a, is a school program that goes into schools uh, that is an emotional, social and emotional learning program and curriculum. Um, so it's the investments uh, right around $1,500 to $2,000 per school to get that in. So we need to see that. There are about 700 schools nationwide. We want to see that number double and triple over the next 12 to 18 months. The second one was uh, the American Junior Golf Association, which I've been very close to for a number of years and just became fascinated with a program they have called Leadership Links, which is teaching kids these, the, the AJGA houses the best golfers in the country. Um, if you name a U.S. born player on the PGA Tour right now, he went through the AJGA uh, from Tiger to DeChambeau to Spieth, Phil Mickelson, 
all of them. Um, but they teach these uh, this this group if they participate in leadership links to go out and find a cause in your community, do a fundraiser that can be a golf tournament or can be just anything that you want to do, and raise money for that cause. And the AJGA will use part of that money for their uh, grant program that gives financial assistance to members, and then the other half goes to the charity that the kids raise the money for. I found that fascinating to say, all right, here's a group where we're teaching kids the importance of community stewardship and taking care of those around you. And then the third one is Dream Tank, which is the pie in the sky, the big hitter. Uh, the chairman is Jeff Hoffman, who's the founder of Priceline. They're tied into the United Nations, but it's a global network that connects kids all across the world to work on specific projects and solutions for sustainable development goals laid out by the UN. So the future of the earth and the future of our economy and our societies, this group brings kids together worldwide to work on those problems and for them to have a voice. There was no way I could not choose that as an investment because to me, I was like, that's the pinnacle, that's the future. You know, that's fascinating. You know, raising two sons, I things that keep me up at night are exactly that, right? Like what's the path in their life? How can I be a great dad to develop sons into people that can be men, that can be leaders of their community, that can support people, but honestly can just treat people the way that they need to be treated, right? And when it comes down to it, um, you know, I know that's a journey because I, because you, you know, you look back and, and, and growing up and you're like, oh my gosh, mom and dad, I hate you, right? Now I tell my parents all the time how thankful I am, you know, that they weren't the cool parents, that they, they were the ones that, that kept me, you know, in the line. Scott always talks about, um, you know, you, he said this to his dad recently, you never gave me what I wanted, but you gave me what I needed. Right. And I think what you're doing and what these organizations are doing is very unique because you're giving kids a platform to come up with their own ideas together to develop ways that kids will learn. The biggest challenge, I think, as adults is having that such a large gap from from where you are, right? Like now you look at how old people are when they're having kids. I had my first kid when I was 33, right? 20 years ago, people were having kids at 23, right? So at 23, you're a lot closer to your son than than now. So like there's that huge gap. I'm just I'm curious to uh, to ask you. What are the results that you've seen so far? And by having this kind of being very youth led and youth driven and, and com, com bringing kids together to make up those you know, decisions, is it kind of like, oh, I got, I, you know, I've come up with this idea and now it's going to work. I'm just kind of fascinated by that, that approach. Well, I think that one of the things that's been so eye opening in a positive sense uh, around this journey since we've launched is that. The good news is this is on the radar of a lot of youth, especially the teenagers. And um, and, and it wasn't when we were growing up. Uh, we didn't talk about mental health. Um, but we also, and you know, time of, I guess to go into the, the suicide side of this, which is the worst case scenario, I don't think when I was in high school, I think maybe we had one during the time there. And then uh, about a month or two ago, an athletic director, a friend of mine is an athletic director at a school up here, uh, said that their school systems had four in the past three months or something. It was just, it was just jaw dropping on uh, the amount of suicide that's gone up. But what we do here is that they are aware that their environment is being uh, impacted by 
technology, by opinion. And I think the overarching thing that really kind of sits out there, there's a disconnect of empathy across the board from political to media, to your day-to-day, your peers, there's just a complete disconnect to empathy. And that's the one thing we need to see this younger, the, the, the Gen Zers really gravitate towards is um, having that emotional characteristic is going to be your building block. Because here's the fact. The fact is technology is not going anywhere, nor do we need it to. We, we need what we need to do over the next couple of years. Uh, and our executive director uh, wrote a paper uh, about a month ago, and she just absolutely nailed this. And this is the way that this just makes the aha moment. Technology, and especially when we talk about technology, instant communication and what we're doing right now um, has brought in a lot of positives, but it's brought in a lot of negatives. And we have to learn how do we, how do we handle this all responsibly. And she compared it back to the rise of the automobile and mass transportation, that we even look back to the time frame that Bobby Jones was making his historic run. The automobile was becoming from very, uh, I guess probably the exclusive and elite groups to more commonplace. And we were in the process of starting to understand commercial uh, uh, you know, flying and things like that. So going from point A to point B, went from it could take weeks to now it takes hours. But when you think about the automobile, when we first made it, we didn't have seatbelts, we didn't have airbags, we didn't have rear view mirrors, we didn't have all of these safety features because it took years of experience and understanding of what an automobile does in bringing risk in. We're going through the same thing right now with technology. And that's the thing, and I think that's the important piece of our charity is we're not here to lecture, we're here to learn. And then when we find these steps and when we find these processes that make regulating and observing how our kids participate with technology, how we get that over the course of years, that's when I know that's when I know the Generation Next project is making the impact that I see it making. And we just got to be a loud squeaky wheel for a few years. How, how long has your organization been in, in, uh, in effect now? Uh, we're getting close to 60 days. 60 days? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow, so brand we're, new. We launched it. Yeah, we launched it back in May. Uh, and so, and then we've got our first big event uh, down in Atlanta during the Tour Championship that will be kind of our first big fundraiser. Um, but we selected those three partners to get us started. Uh, and again, support's just been uh, unbelievable when we've been talking donors, corporations, uh, media, they're pretty fascinated by this. Heck yeah, I bet they are. Yeah, I, it, it is fascinating. It is fascinating. It, you know, starting in May, I mean, in May, that sounds crazy. Like, I feel like this has been established for like five years when you, what you were just talking about. But you've utilized your connections, the network that, that's around you to make an impact. And I think that is so powerful. And people need to realize that. Like, if you have the reach, then you need to make sure that you're doing something with it, right? And be positive. And that's exactly what you've done. I mean, I think it's inspirational. I've been on Hayden's corner here for a minute and it's like, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to even read, to be honest. So it obviously it is, is a huge problem. 
that needs to be me needs to, to to change. I had a friend that committed suicide when he was 18 years old, uh, had just gotten into the military and then got dishonorably discharged or something happened. And, you know, it's the most selfish thing you can do. And I hate saying that, but yeah. I think about it every day because it's like, what could I have done to make Blake still be here? Um, and that was really like when you mentioned like one person throughout, like, yo, like one person did it when I was in school. And now you're saying that four have done it in three months. Like, I don't know. That just gives me. It's, it's nationally. The statistics are, are scary. And I think everybody in the mental health profession sees this. And I think that's the big difference. And I've always been a fan. I feel like that um, charities and, and, and foundations tend to really be able to move a needle more freely than when you have to go through, uh, you know, government approval and all that, which, mm -hmm. you know, mental health is such a hard piece to understand. You have to have like a universal solution. And I think that's the one thing if everybody just sits back and goes, I don't think anybody has the answer right now and it's okay. Yeah. Like that's step one, just to say, we're not real sure on, you know, how much of monitoring and taking away freedoms, punishing and all of this when it comes around technology. Then when we threw the pandemic on top of it and we removed and altered social life and we removed athletics and post uh, school activities um, and we put kids into a household that in most cases, um, and especially if you look at the job losses, was a very stressful household. I mean, it was. Um, and we're seeing some this, you know, kind of come out late, you know, in the past couple of months where there is some more freedoms and Hopefully we're seeing that return back to normal, but what's the lasting impact of that experience for a kid um, that my son that's six up to one that um, haven't been ones that are 11 to 16. Those are the ones we really, really need to be paying, paying attention to talking to and not just about them, but also are they seeing signs from friends? And you just have to start there. As Brad said, with Hayden's corner, their uh, motto conversations matter. That's what Brad's, biggest of all things that go through your head when you lose your son in that manner that's the one thing that he can't you know just can't let go of why did i not have a conversation with my son about suicide well how many people in america are going to sit down and have a conversation with their 12 year old about suicide it's not time yet right but it is that's right we it's it's interesting we're on this topic because earlier this morning we had a lady on that owns a mental health facility and she's a counselor herself it's called sun counseling and wellness she was talking about that very thing right and what the pandemic's done to us uh all of us uh you know we were forced to change within a couple of weeks and then it just kept going and going and going and still going to a degree you know and uh so the stigma around mental health and how it you know, so folks are unwilling to communicate and talk about it and bring it up. And, and so I think your program here is, uh, is really going to help with that too, as, as well. I, I hope so. Well, and also, you, you know what I think you look, think about a lot of the bad that's come from the pandemic and everybody wants to focus on that. Although there's terrible stories like Hayden's corner and, and exactly, you know, what that family is going through. I can't even imagine, but it's also the stories that will now wake up you know, parents, right? Like now there are people that are willing to have conversations about mental illness because everybody went through it at the same time. You know, it's, it's something that nobody, we've had different issues and, and maybe back in 2008, when I graduated, like nobody could get a job and housing market was terrible, but there were still companies that were making money overall. Yeah. Everybody went through something in the last 18 months. And I think now people are realizing like, 
It's okay to share your emotions, but you've got to have those conversations. And for people like you to take your platform and create something and understand the need, I think is so, so important. And I think more people need to think about that, not only just in your own family, but how can you support your neighborhood? How can you support your community? If your kids are on a baseball team, how can you talk to other parents about that as well? You don't want your friend to lose a friend to suicide either, right? So how do we figure out how do we get everybody in a more healthy place moving forward? And I think that's really important. I want to ask you, you know, with your relationship with golf, uh, with the PGA, they're great at supporting local charities when they go into different areas. When you come into Quail Hollow um, for Charlotte, it always seems like the PGA does a great job of, of connecting with that. Have you been able to have conversations with with the PGA or with any players um, about supporting this on a on a, a national scale or a global scale and getting that awareness out there? And 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 if so, or, or if not, I'm just kind of curious if that's in your plans because I think using golf and using the stars of golf could be important. You quoted Phil Mickelson when he recently talked about not only being like mental, but like where he was before he won that major and how he failed and he failed and he failed. And then it's like a week later, guess what? He wins a major, right? Like it's insane. (laughs) But tell me about that and that connection with the PGA. Have you guys had those conversations or is that something that you would like to do in the future? We, we, uh, and, and great question. We are, um, we, we have, uh, some dialogue going with the PGA right now. Um, I would say probably the biggest thing is number one, I did not anticipate to have the dialogue as soon as we did, right. But we had a, a, a common introduction, uh, for between me and the chief marketing officer of the PGA. Um, and he's been uh, fantastic. The one thing I would say, uh, on that relationship is obviously that is, if we can get there, um, that is such a huge potential impact for what this charity does but i don't want to rush it and i want the pga to be comfortable with what our solution is but we have in that discussion i'll give you a couple good points because there this is everywhere right now when you can take athletics and take the role models that are in athletics as examples and michael phelps started it with anxiety and depression but you know right now in golf we had a great exchange between quarter and bubba watson about anxiety. We've got Matt Wolf, um, who right now has publicly said he's having to, um, you know, take, keep taking time off the game to get himself healthy mentally. Um, the game and sports itself, as much as sports have evolved to de- for today's world is incredibly stressful. It's changed. Um, the, 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 and, uh, forget her name, the tennis player, um, who withdrew from the French open, same thing. Yep. You st- it, you know, there's a tendency for especially older generations to go, what's the matter with these guys? Come on, we did it. We're fine. You know, tough enough. But I think you've got to really look at the variables around and you got to look at the pressure of uh, press, the pressure of endorsement, the pressure of play, the money's different. This is really big stuff. And when you got a Matt Wolf who's 22, maybe 22, 22 years old trying to take all of this in that even me as a 46 year old would have a hard time trying to say, I just won a tournament. There's a million dollars in my bank account. Now I've got to be on 22 media interviews in the next 24 hours. So I see where what we would like to do is be in a position where we can help tell those stories and we can partner with the PGA to, uh, to really dive into the mental health uh, piece of our society and take it beyond golf. Um, the second thing in terms of players, we have a handful of players that we are going to approach, um, and, 
Again, I, I, I'm trying to think if the timeline on that is to let them get through this season, let us get through our event at the Tour Championship at East Lake, uh, and then look at a 2022 partnership with some of those players. But 100%, to me, I fail at my model if I don't get to that point eventually. Let's hope it's next year. You know, you mentioned what athletes go through now and you mentioned Wolf. And I think that's really unique because it's it's similar as what youth are going through as well. Right. Like when I grew up, uh, we didn't have social media until I was a junior in college. Right. I didn't have to go through online bullying and all of these certain things that that kids have to go through now. But I use an example from the Euros where England had an 18 year old that came up to take the fifth penalty against Italy. England had never won anything since 1966. The entire nation is on his back and he missed, right? The goalkeeper made a great save and immediately he was berated with racist insults online. He was told, you know, he should die. His family should die. And this is an 18 year old kid playing as sport, right? 30 years ago, if you missed that, you might have something written in the paper, maybe something said to you in person, but you literally wouldn't have your phone be the source of hate and the source of that could literally ruin not only somebody's career, but somebody's life. And using those examples as what kids have to go through now is shocking. Um, So I think that's really fascinating from the platform standpoint, working with athletes that go through it, one specifically that have have overcome that. I think it's going to be really unique to see where this, you know, really the next generation goes. I'm so excited about that. Now, you just real quick, we own that. Uh, And what you're saying there, that to me, that's why we talk. If there, if if there is one word that we have to say, this is the thing that starts making the change. It's the disconnect of empathy due to the ability to, um, I guess you could technically say, anonymously or safely criticize. Yep. Empathy is being completely disregarded when angry fans cannot control their emotions and lash out against a young kid who did his absolute best to try to win that for England, yep. which, by the way, goalkeeper to goalkeeper, yep. that was the best shootout awesome. ever for goalkeepers. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, because of the amount of saves there. Yep. But but seriously, it's empathy that everybody has just said, don't need it, don't care about it, I don't care what the other person uh, is going to feel like. And a lot of times it's because I've gotten it too, right? Yep. So you know what it feels like, and you're just going to go and just – uh, past that, but that's the thing that people have to really get to first. Is we got to find that that softness that humans do have and should be possessing. Yeah, that's fascinating. What do you need from outside of the golf community? What do you need from the community for for your organization to to be successful? From volunteers to you know fundraising uh, and all the other things that come along with it. Well, a couple things. One is, uh, you know, participation for the three for the three charities that we've selected. Um, now, American Junior Golf Association, you know, that's kind of classified to that golf community, and that's fine. Uh, Positivity Project. What we're sitting on, and this one's really the greatest, like black and white kind of response of, you make a donation we're able to purchase the software and everything, and then go provide that to a school. So someone in, uh, in, in their market can say, I want to uh, adopt, you know, my kid's middle school or a corporation can adopt the school system and get the, and we provide the funding. We, you know, essentially we finance the, the software and the curriculum to go into that school. 
And there is a significant list from schools sitting at Positivity Project of schools saying, hey, we want it, but we just cannot get it into the budget. Um, so that's one of those where uh, from a funding mechanism, um, it's immediate. And, and then I want people to have the ownership to say, I adopted XYZ school and I got it put in there. My name's going to be next to that forever. That's such a great thing. Um, that's one. The, the other thing that we really want to do, and, uh, and we're going to get this going in 2022, is a junior ambassador program where we are saying to kids, we want your voice. We want you to get involved. We want you to tell us everything that you're seeing, hearing, uh, and if you see the change or if you have ideas on how to change. So I think it's uh, as important it is for parents to hear this message, make some changes and some have some conversations that are not easy to have because they've listened to this podcast. But also, are their kids um, interested or would be interested in joining an ambassador program where they go out and we're gonna give them certain tasks and objectives to do? And then they can also go into the Dream Tank program. Uh, there's so much, and we just wanna see that build. So right now, the biggest thing is uh, funding and then volunteer support uh, is more, I would say, I want to really see uh, if we're back together in a year, how many juniors, how many people under the age of 18 do we have working with Generation Next Project? And I want that number to be big. I think that's an amazing way to to grow, but also to really make a true impact. I had a conversation last night. I'm an Eagle Scout, and um, this this person's younger son was about, I think, 12 years old, and didn't necessarily have the older, I would say, older kids uh, leadership. And I told them the most important thing ever is to have a 16, 17, and 18 year old that are leading by example, that want to help the younger kids, that want to make their experience the same way that they had. And I was blessed to have that. It's what encouraged me to go get my Eagle Scout. It's what it, it's really what pushed me to be that way because I wanted to be like the senior patrol leader, right? I wanted to yeah. be like him. Now, my dad is an Eagle Scout and he can tell me anything, but was I always going to listen to my dad? No, because most people don't want to <laughs> listen to their kids anyways, right? But if, if, if Matt, his name was Matt, if, if he did it, we all followed, right? It was a troop of a hundred people. And we had a lot of people obtain Eagle because we all wanted to be like him. And I think exactly what you're saying is you have to have that leadership and it, it could be three, four, five years older than someone. It doesn't even have to be that much. But if you have people that are those leaders, they can make such a huge impact. And now you're getting your kid on the, on an, on a path where they can be leaders for life. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I can't wait to learn more. You know, I hope if you are listening to this podcast, please go check out Generation Next Project. Go check out Hayden's Corner. Really, like take a, a deep dive into it and see what you can do, whether it's supporting it financially, you know, whether it's it's getting in touch with the organization, seeing what you can do. But, um, you know, really blessed for you to come on and have this conversation. And I think it's something that needs to be had. And I think there's parents out there that need to to take that advice and have that conversation with their kids immediately. This has been fantastic. Uh I love telling it uh, and I learn as we go through this process too. And that's the, that's the neat thing about this. Uh, there's not going to be a point where I feel like I know the answer, but it's just continuing to talk, hearing what people say is what matters. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I want to, I want to mention is, you know, you're, you know, Bobby Jones and, and your entire family should be very proud of you and what you've been able to do. Uh, there's a lot of people that could be in a position like you and, and, and just, you know, talk about Augusta and talk about golf. And, but what you've done is, is really created something that will be your legacy. And I know that he's looking down and everyone else in your family should be so proud of that, uh, where you're making action, right? You're like, you're, you're going to 
take what was given to you per se from this platform and say, I'm going to make a difference. And uh, you should be very proud of that. that that's uh, incredibly nice of you to say. Thank you is all I can say back. Thank you. Absolutely. Change maker. I love, love it. it. I love, I love it. it. I do want to, I do want to ask because I think you do have a background in marketing from App Ooh. State as well. Correct. Yes. Um, and you know, it, it sounds like you're some of your most recent projects there as well, using that background five or six years, uh, specifically marketing the, the Bobby Jones uh, brand. Is that right? Huh? I, yeah, I created a, a process when I started that with the family. I was like, there's a template here that I think I can replicate. Uh, and we got a little, I'm gonna say a little, we got a lot uh, banged up last year with COVID. But um, we call it legacy branding, where I think that there's a need for these iconic uh, personalities to have an, a complete understanding of what it takes to have that generational um, change and, and commercialized, I guess, uh, entity. So you focus on the brand commercialization, uh, the charity arm, and then you know the PR and content side. So we actually spent a year and a half working with Evander Holyfield. Um, we did a little bit with the Richard Petty family as well, but uh, Evander was a whole nother, uh, you know story. Um, it, it, just another guy that demonstrates emotional intelligence and has this connectivity to kids of teaching them how to um, you know, be responsible for themselves, handle adversity well. So that's what I think in the, the, the day job, even though that's not existing much right now, the day job right now is Generation Next Project. Uh, we want to continue that journey. We want to really connect um, brand appeal to the story that a, a, an icon um, has created. And you said it exactly right. I love it. It's, it's around all the time to talk about the Masters, to talk about the Grand Slam, 13 majors, and the wonderful things that Bobby Jones did on the golf course. I've always been very attracted to how intelligent he was. Um, that it, we didn't get the golf gene or the intelligence gene. I don't think we more came down too far. But I've always been fascinated by that. And I just like, I want that, if I can continue doing that and just work with, um, and it doesn't have to be athletes. It can be anybody that's just made a huge community impact that's going to be a generational story. There's a management process to do that, to do it right and have it sustained. Well, at the end of the day, I think it, as we near the ends of our lives, if we're that lucky to, to be able to have these conversations, it's not about how much money you've made or, you know, even how successful you are or how do you define success? And in, in my mind, it's how have you impacted others and, and uh, helped others find their way. Even if you've been the one so blessed, you know, um, how can you help others become that way? That's it. And uh, I think that's truly amazing. So kudos, man. Uh, what an inspiring story. Brian and I talk a lot. We leave these podcasts and we're like, wow, man, we, we've become educated. We've been more, we're, we've become more real, well-rounded. We, uh, we learn so much. And, and a lot of times it's from folks that are very different than us. So it really opens our mind and, and, uh, we're thankful for that. So absolutely appreciate well, you sharing. Yeah. Thank you guys for doing this show. It's a great show. Thank you. Yeah. It's all about perspective and I feel you know, over the 200 plus episodes that we've been able to do, it gives us a good perspective um, from what a lot of people go through, but also what a lot of great, you know, things that people do. And I don't know, it's, it's awesome, man. So, you know, you're the reason we started podcasting and is, is this is bringing people on that can challenge the listeners to be better, but ultimately 
you know, provide a solution to something that you see as an issue. And that's exactly what, uh, what you're doing. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. If you are listening, please like, share, comment, go check out um, Generation Next Project. Go check out everything that they're doing. If you're a company that wants to get involved, you know, please reach out. You can always get in touch with uh, with Scott or I, and we can connect you with Robert. Uh, but thank you so much for for joining us on this episode of the, uh, the Brand Builders Podcast. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Robert. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.